doing out there ladies and gentlemen welcome 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 to the side jump i'm your host dennis holmes i'm here with my co-host sharon mullen Sharon, how you doing out there wait 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 what's my name hold up sharon mullen the chocolate girl my bad no sharon. no no we're gonna start this all over see you are already <laughs> messing up okay let's 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 rewind this do i need to put the music back on first no you ain't got to put the music on okay all right Introduce yourself, Dennis. Let's go. Let's do this one I'm, more time. I'm, I'm, one more I'm Dennis Holmes from the Side Dome. I'm here with my co-host, the Chocolate Girl. That's right. That's how it's supposed to be. Good morning, fellas. How you doing, Dennis? How are things going for you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. What you got on your head there? You got the million dollar worth of game on your head this morning? Yeah, feeling good. Okay. That's good. I'm feeling good too, all the way down here. The great city of Durham, North Carolina, Black History Month. We got Black Wall Street down here. First black owned North North Carolina Mutual Insurance Company. We got great H great HBCUs down here in North Carolina. Got a whole bunch of them, as a matter of fact. Feeling pretty good. I always feel good in February. Feel a little lighter. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but sorry, today we're doing a show called Thanks Coach. We have a special guest in the building. Dustin D. Miz, Hardy Moore's in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> D. Miz, what? Can we, can we lead the D. Miz back in college? That was, that was, that was, that was, that was a long time ago. Uh-oh. We got to leave that like where it was at. Sound <laughs> like I need to find out about that. Uh -oh. <laughs> I had to, I had to, uh, yeah, I had to throw that out there. I had to shake things up a little bit. Yeah, you know, I've been knowing, I've been knowing Dustin a long time, man, since he was 12 years old. Let me just say that. We was in ninth grade. He was 12. I was 13. Yeah. So we, we, uh, 20, 23 years. 23 years. We go years. a long way back. Um, well, listen, D Dustin, you have been coaching basketball. For a little while now, um, you know, you're currently the coach at uh, George Washington Carver Engineering Science, uh, which is correct. a which, as I've been growing up, is a football known school. But he's about to turn it all around and make it a basketball known school. Now, here's the thing that I, I want to know. And I've asked BJ this and I've asked uh, Barry this, Coach, coach B and BJ. How did you become a coach? That's what I want to know. How did you become a coach? Well, 
it all started when I came back home from college. Um, at the time, my girlfriend that I was dating, her mom was the athletic director at Ben Franklin High School. And when I came home, um, I started working at the Boys and Girls Club. You know, I was coaching the, the, the club team in there. Um, we turned that club team into a travel team. And we had a lot of success in a year. Um, her head coach at our school ended up resigning. It was my girlfriend at the time, and you know we were close, and her, me and her mom were close. She was just like, "You you want the job?" I'm just like, "Like just right to it, this varsity basketball." And she said, "Yeah, why not?" You know, at the time they weren't the greatest program, but there was still some talent there. They just needed somebody to keep the kids motivated. She seen that success I had with the boys and girls club, so I took that and just ran with it. And I've had some. I had a lot of success there. You know, my first year was rough. Everybody's first year is going to be rough. It was that transition for me, but it turned around quickly. <laughs> so, I mean, did, did you go in there like, because, you know, every coach got their mentality. You know what I mean? I don't want right. you to give all your secrets up. You never know who watching you, scouting you. But right. did, did you go in there like, you know, we're going to preach straight defense and then we'll work on offense like a Coach Carter type? Or did you go in there and you – uh and how, what was what was your mindset when you went in there with them high school kids? So my mindset, I honestly, it 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 translates from my football lifestyle. I believe defense wins games. I don't care what sport you play. Um, you know, so it could be hockey. Again, defense wins games. As long as you don't allow the opposing team to score, you you should win. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, but my Thanks. mindset literally was it was a defensive mindset. You know, I wanted our defense to fuel our offense. Um, I wanted to play up-tempo. Everybody knows that. So we like to get up and down the floor. My players are always well-conditioned. We do. We go through a stringent conditioning process. Um, but they buy into it. And it usually translates well to the next level when they go to college. Ah, okay. That's, that, that is nice. That is definitely nice. Now, you started at Ben Franklin. Yep. Um, how did you end up moving from Ben Franklin? Um, so – I. When I was at Ben Franklin, one of my players were getting recruited by Penn State Brandywine. Um, it's one of the smaller satellite schools, the Penn State schools. <clears throat> and they ended up offering him a scholarship to come play there. He accepted. Then about a month later, <clears throat> excuse me, the coach, I had actually sent um, to that head coach a name of another kid that was playing within our league. And I was saying, this kid can play, you know, he's being overlooked. Nobody's really looking at him. He doesn't have any offers. And, you know, I let him know he loved what he's seen out of that. Next thing you know, he was calling me, asking me to come join his staff at Penn State Brandywine as his assistant coach and lead recruiter. So I was at Ben Franklin. I did Penn State Brandywine for two years. Um, then our head coach actually resigned. So the new head coach didn't retain anyone from the previous coaching staff. So from there, it was like I was stuck. I was like, I can't go back to Franklin. They already had a new coach already. So I ended up going to Rosemont College for a year. And I was at Rosemont College as an assistant for a year. <clears throat> and then after that year, that's when the engineering and science job came calling. So this is now my fourth year there. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, has any of your talent made it to the G League or to the NBA yet? That's no. That's what I want to know. No, none of mine have made it yet. Um, I do have one that currently has a G League tryout, actually, in two weeks. So 
If he makes it, he'll be my first. <laughs> that's what's up. That, that's definitely what's up. Nah, yeah, there we go. That's what's the talent, up. Um, the talent pool is so large. Like, I know people say it not being in the coaching game, but when you're in the coaching game and you see how grand the talent pool uh, is and then how limited some opportunities are, you really just – it's it's you have to be above and beyond the ability to showcase you're ready to play at that level because it's not what it's all cracked up to be at the collegiate level and then even the collegiate level when you get to the professional level it's the margin of of, of of you know mistakes are very small and you have to make sure you you are on p on 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 point and on cue with everything that you're doing. Mm, mm, mm. So. Your current team that you're coaching right now. Yes. Um, you said you've been there for four years. Now, yeah. when you went back to that, how did that start from going from Rosemont that you know back to high school? Was it like, all right, I'm back in the swing of things? I got this. I was back. That's how I went into it. Um, but I had there was an adjustment period. Um, and to be honest, you know, it's when I was at Ben Franklin, you know, I, I know people like to use stereotypes and stuff like that I'm not big on a narrative but at Ben Franklin that was a neighborhood school you know and those kids were I could coach them one style I can coach them one way I could talk to them one way at the collegiate level you know it's the best of all cultures you know so you got to learn each and every player so that's one thing I learned from the collegiate level you have to build that rapport with every single player to learn what helps them out to make them twitch to make them excel but using that experience coming back to the high school but specifically at engineering and science with it being a a magnet school more of a strong academic school um I literally had to learn every single one of my players to see what motivates them every single player completely different so I really had to change my style and not be too aggressive but also be more welcoming and easy with the transition to let them know until I built up that fire within themselves that they see is, you know, my coach isn't yelling at me. My coach isn't being hard on me. My coach is only looking for the best out of me. So that transition period actually took about a year or so. Mm-hmm. You got you got any stories of some guys that came in and, you know, gave you, gave you grief and then next thing you know, end up being like one of your good players. Oh, and absolutely. Then- <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I- I had a kid tell me he was going to get his dad to come up to a practice and fight you before. <laughs> I absolutely had that. And then his dad actually came up to a game. I'm sorry, he came up to a practice and actually watched his son practice and said, why did you have me come up here? You out here playing terrible. Of course he'd be mad at you. Of course he'd be hard on you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and my thing is I have an open door with all my parents. Um, you know, your kid can say one thing, you know, he can feel I'm too rough on him. Or, you know, he can say I'm not giving him opportunities. My door is open to come in and talk or to come in and view practice. Because how you perform in practice is how you're going to excel in the game. I try to make my practices harder than any game. Um, so if you're already battle-tested in practice, when you get to a game, it should be easier than you are against your own teammates. And your opportunities literally are given with your effort in practice and then how you perform in the game. If you don't perform in practice, it's going to be hard for you to get on the floor. So, you know, I just hold all my players to a high level, hold them all accountable. They hold each other accountable now. And that's what has made our success actually 
move uh, come about a lot faster than than people said it should. Okay, now what what are some what are some of the awards and accolades that you actually won? Uh, so I've actually not won any championships yet at the high school or collegiate level. I have not. That is a goal of mine, but I have not. Um, I've been to the Elite Eight four times. I've been to the Final Four once. Um, P-I-A-A. P-I-A-A, yes. P-I-A-A. They're like, what? N-C-A-A? Why you coach? P-I-A-A, y'all. That's Pennsylvania. Interscholastic Athletic Association. So that's the, that's the high school governing body. Um, but again, I, I haven't been to a championship game, um, so I haven't won a championship either. Um, as far as the AAU circuit is, um, we actually won at the Boys and Girls Club my first year. I won the Pennsylvania Statewide um, Boys and Girls Club competition, which made us go to nationals where we finished in second place. So, you know, that was good. Um, and then from there, you know, it's more or less, I would say a lot of my success is not shown in individual accolades as a coach, but my accolades are more or less getting these kids in school for as cheap as possible or free. Um, that's, that's my goal. That's what I tell every parent. That's what I tell every kid. Winning, yes, absolutely. We want to win. And, and the goal is to win. But the goal, the bigger goal is to get these, all these youth in school. And we're talking about inner city either in school for as cheap as possible or free, you know, that, that debt on a parent can be, it, it can be burdening. And how about we use our talents to take that burden off, not only your shoulders and your parents' shoulders, but also use it as a way to get your degree while still doing something that you love. Okay. That's, that's, that's a great thing. Uh, now people out here want to know, is basketball your first love? Basketball is not my first love. Mm. Football is absolutely my first love. Man, I knew played that. it in high school. Shared I shared the field with you, Dennis. You know, we, we right. I even played against you. Yeah. You know, I, I remember you calling me a traitor in in in, in uh, warm up. Gotta say something <laughs> during the game to get you to get you off your marbles. But afterwards, it was all love. Everybody was all else love. Afterwards, was all love. I didn't get it. Like I wasn't out there trying to do something crazy. Like I just, I'm sorry. I just fell into a different school. And we happened to play against each other. Yeah. <laughs> like I actually thought, I, I thought it was all love. And after the game, a lot of people really like had disdain for me. I'm just, I'm, it wasn't, it was out of my control. It was out of my control. Yeah, man, that, that was a, uh... That was crazy. Now, do you do you still think about like coaching football? Like, if there was an opportunity at Washington, because I don't think Coach K is there no more. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's not. If I've thought about it, and I believe I've embedded myself so deep in the basketball world that I can't. Oh, so Reason being be, is you couldn't be like a Coach Byrne and do I both. Couldn't. I couldn't. That's a lot. Okay. And with my competitive spirit, I'm, I'm going to have to give all my energy somewhere. It's hard to, sh you can't, it's hard to split that. Like, it's hard to split that energy into your football. And Grant, I know you, you'll have a staff, you know, you'll have assistants, but I like to build that relationship with my players as well as they build relationships with my assistants as well. So, you know, me missing that time, I feel like would hurt rather than help 
whatever program I do. So I would like to give one sport my full focus and energy. Okay. That's good. That's good to hear. That is definitely good to hear. Now, uh, my last question, I'm going to pass it off to Sharon. Well, um, how important is winning <clears throat> when dealing with this team? What is your what is your position? What is your positions on it? Is the uh, is winning the most important thing? Winning is not the most important thing. Um, winning is a great thing, but it's not the most important thing. Um, I have a, a motto, and I know a lot of people share it. It's very common, but you know, when I say bigger than basketball, it's bigger than basketball to me. Um, I'm trying to you know build life skills, teach life skills, um, let these young men know what the world has, you know, in store in front of them, um, you know, even giving examples out of my, my own life, you know, just letting them know that it's, it's not easy out here. It won't be easy. Um, nothing's going to be given to you. You know, you have to earn everything, but you also have to find a will and want to do it. Um, and you also don't let anything control you. You control it, whether it's, you know, how you go about your day, your time management, um, you know, you can make your boss even feel like they're in control of you, but you're controlling that situation. Um, you also got to be open-minded to a lot of things. You can't be closed-minded nowadays. You know, this world is is expanding. It's changing every single day, every hour, every second. You know, you just can't be closed-minded to things. You have to be able to have that open mindset to view, see, experience, whatever you can, because you never know when you might need that um, experience later on in life, you know, to look back on, to think back on, or even to make a decision for your present and future. Okay. Uh, Shane, you ready? I'm always ready. <laughs> always ready. Always ready. How, how, how has uh, the, the pandemic and COVID impacted your role as coach or, or the way that you all deliver uh, training and practice, games, how over the past two years, because it's been two years now. So how, how has that affected both teams? Because it's both, you, it's two teams, right? You've got the school team and then you've got the AAU team. And how have they been impacted? Um, so it first impacted the AAU side of things. Um, tournaments had got canceled. Um, then it got pushed back. You know, that was, that was rough. Um, but the, the, the issue came about with the high school season when our high school season starts in November. Um, but during the COVID year, they had to develop a plan to, one, keep the kids safe. Kids were all virtual at the time. Um, we couldn't use none of our buildings. We couldn't use, in the school district, all the buildings were shut down. So it was hard for you to get into gyms, weight rooms, anything like that. So Zoom became our best friend. Um, Zoom literally became our best friend. We did literally, we had virtual practices, like training practices, coaches and push-up position, plank position, like actually working out at home. Um, but everyone was on Zoom, you know, so that was that was pretty oh, cool. Wait a minute, let me interrupt this because I, I got to make sure that the people understand. I think I'm following you. So you guys will be in your homes on Zoom and the players will be in their homes on Zoom. And y'all were cool. actually working out with them and showing them which, what type of exercises to do, yep. what type of training to do at their home, even by themselves. 
even by themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And drills and so forth too. So it's hard to do drills because you know when you're in your home basketball, you know parents don't want you dribbling that ball in the house. So no, no, <laughs> no. Hey, hey, Margaret, um, hey, Margaret ain't having it. Grand Big Mama ain't either. Hey, Margaret and Big Mama ain't having the ball bouncing in the house. So, you know, if, if you were able to get outside, you know, right outside your front door and, you know, dribble outside and things like that, you could do that. You know, these kids are very good with technology. So tablets, Chromebooks, phones, you know, they would go outside and we would be outside with them, you know, dribbling basketballs, doing these drills with whoever could do it at the time. Um, but as far as like calisthenics, stretching, conditioning, things like that, we did all of that together. Interesting. How do you make that work? And with that, with AAU, that's traveling. So that's how traveling. how how long is the season usually? It's usually three months. It goes from excuse me, four months, April to July. Um, hmm. April and July are more of the busier months than May and June. So you do have tournaments in May and June, but April and July are the big months because those are the months where um, the the NCAA live periods uh, go into effect. So the NCAA live period. It's when college coaches are allowed to actually view, see your high school players in person. So they actually can come to the facility where the games are being played at, um, sit around the court, you know, and actually view firsthand your players. Um, there are four live periods. There are two in April, two in July. So that's why those are the busier ones. And that's where you'll find more of your bigger AAU events. Um, you know, AAU events can have, 26 games going on at one time in one facility. You know, just 26 different courts, whistles everywhere, people everywhere, and a bunch of coaches in collar shirts or hoodies or zip-ups, just with notepads and phones out, tweeting, texting, media. It's a big thing. Wow. It's a very mm -hmm. big thing. Um, so in and, 2020, that first year of COVID, mm -hmm. were you able no, to, to have any games or at, at we were, all? We had three tournaments. So usually we play in about six to 10 tournaments a summer. We only had three mm -hmm. tournaments in 2020 and no one was allowed in the gyms at all, except for the players, the refs and whoever worked at the facility. So there were no parents allowed in, no coaches allowed in. Everything was literally live stream. Everything was live stream. You know, you, there was cameras at every single court, but every single thing was live stream. And that's how that's how AAU went for about a year and a half, actually. Mm -hmm. So the NCAA coaches, all they could do is watch the live stream and video to see the players from in yep. from home. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. All right. How did it work for you? Did it seem to hamper anything or did it just keep on moving? Did it, was it really have an impact? It mm -hmm. did have an impact. Um, mm -hmm. That one-on-one -on -one interaction is key. You yeah, know, I absolutely feel like it's key, you know, seeing who you're talking to, who you're meeting with, rather than just receiving this text message from this coach and then going on their school page just to see the picture of who you're texting and communicating with. That's a big difference. That's a major difference. Um, right. But it also made social media a platform for recruitment as well. Twitter is a major factor right now since COVID hit when it comes to recruitment. Um, you know, Twitter was how we put out our live stream links. It was the easiest way for coaches to actually communicate with players and see players. Um, it helped the creativity of a lot of youth. You know, they started making their own highlight films. You know, that's why there's so many videographers now. So many people got into it with 
just filming kids to put the highlight films together and right. those clips go on your Twitter. Next, you know, a college coach to see the tweet, the your tweet. Now they're DMing you. They want real game film. They're DMing your coach. Now they're coming out the game. So we found a way to make it work through a tough time where it looked like it was hard to make things work. But Twitter became my best friend. <laughs> and now it's just a habit every single day. Like I'm on Twitter all day long seeing what coaches are looking for, seeing what they're talking about, sending them different, you know, footage of my players. And it's a, it's a daily, it's a daily thing. Do you do the same thing for your students at the school that you do for the AAU students or is it a exact different type thing. of ball game? Okay. Exact same thing. So I bring mm-hmm. my same videographers in, film the kids, they break it, edit, edit all the film. They send it to the, you know, the kid, myself, I blast it on, on Twitter, you know, media retweet it. Next, you know, college coaches are reaching out, asking for the kids' information. Then they'll start that communication with the actual player and parent, and it goes from there. So I do the same thing with my high school kids as I do my AAU kids. Everyone gets the same energy. Now, your AA kids are also high school age, right? So yes, your both teams are the same age. Have, yeah. you, have you ever, um, have you also coached younger children too? I've coached middle school as well, um, mm-hmm. but I, I prefer the high school level because a lot of people are actually shying away from that because a lot of people feel like, you know, teenagers nowadays, their attitudes, a lot of people can't, don't, they don't it's not going to say they can't, they don't want to deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. You got to think about it. These kids nowadays are battling whatever's going on at home, whatever's going on in school, whatever's going on in their community, and then what's also going on in their personal lives. You know, that's four mm-hmm. different battles that our youth are going through every single day. Um, and here in Philadelphia, it makes it no better because, you know, our crime rate has risen drastically. You know, we're out here competing with the Detroits and Chicago's when it comes to homicide. And that's a scary thing. You know, we're losing a lot of youth every single day. So for me to be able to open a door to a gym to have them inside rather than outside and accidentally or mistakenly getting some trouble, nonsense, or even getting killed, I'd rather be in a gym with the youth than rather be letting them be outside on their own. Yeah, same here down here in um, Durham, North Carolina. Our crime rate, especially amongst the youth, has skyrocketed as well. So what what type of advice would you give to high school coaches who are considering not doing it anymore? How, how would you try to convince them to stay in it? We we need as much help as possible. You know, mm-hmm. I know people say they gave they, they might have gave their time. A couple extra years won't hurt you unless it's unless it's really taxing on your health. It won't hurt you. Our kids need us, and some of them, when it comes to us being coaches, some of us they, they, it's the male that male role model that they're looking and yearning for to help them out in their lives. You know, not every I hate to say, it, especially being a dad, not every child has that dad at home or that uncle there. Or, and they're going to those individuals in the community that's not going to steer them in the right direction. You know, mm-hmm. if you're doing it and, and you've given your energy, this is the time we actually need you most. You know, from COVID, it changed a lot of things. It, it changed the dynamic on things and it actually affected the mental health of our youth. You know, they were literally in the house, something that kids hate to do. And we were forced in the house. They were forced in the house for 18 months at minimum. You know, that will absolutely it'll break down the mental health of the kid. And I, right. I see it and, you know, we see the world is slowly opening back up and everything, but it's still not the same. We, we have to give that same energy. We have to 
you know, come together as one and just continue to to uplift our youth and make sure that they stay motivated and focus on the goal at hand. And that's changing the world rather than destroying the world. I like that. Changing the world rather than destroying it. And you can't help change the world if you don't stay involved. Absolutely. That's what I would say to the coaches who, you know, who want to give up. We can't give up on these kids, man. They they do need us. They need all of us. Absolutely. All of us, the men and the, the moms too, the dads, uncles, yep. aunties, all of us, yes. they need us. All of us. You're right. Yes. Yeah, you're right. This is another question I have about the AAU program. Mm -hmm. I know, especially, well, I don't want to say that. Um, there is an element of a bad reputation that has befallen the AAU program over the last five to 10 years, I would say, mm -hmm. where um, I have heard parents accuse AAU leaders of being more interested in pushing a certain narrative in money than actually helping children or anything. How do you feel about that? Have you ever heard anything about that? And, and if not, or if so, I should say, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like that's true? Or would you tell them, no, it's not true. And I know because I'm an AAU coach and we don't do that here. It depends upon each person. I hope mm -hmm. there are individuals that are not in this for the money aspect, but it is there. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say it's not. It is there. We don't know who it is. It eventually comes out. I try to stay away from any of that. My goal is to get these kids in school. When it starts getting to the point where, you know, people are offering money or anything like that, keep that away from me because I don't do it for that at all. Like, I don't. Like, I actually don't. I don't even want the credit for it. Like, I tell players that, you know, I've had parents. So I've had players say, you know, because of you, I made it to who I am. It's not. Only thing I did was give you a platform and, and some direction. You did all the work. So, I, I try not to, I, I'm not going to say I try. I absolutely do not want to be a part of any of that. If it, if it came about or if any coach or booster or anything thought about that, please don't come out with that because I, I absolutely don't want to be a part of that at all. Has there ever been a time when you had to actually, did, that you actually noticed a coach either in, in school, in your school district or in AAU, that you felt was not benefiting the kids that really shouldn't be coaching? And have oh, you ever had to have you ever had to confront any of them? And if so, what kind of things did you tell them? I didn't that you can I say on air. That you can say. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just get that out of the way. Come on, uh, FCC Airways, you know. <laughs> I, I've had conversations with coaches speaking my piece on how I felt um, mm -hmm. but it was just more opinion based and that's how I wanted to keep it because you know if you're in it for you know you know if you're in it for the passion the love and to help the youth or if you're in it just to collect the check and there are coaches out there that just are out here collecting a check but at the end of the day it's it's up to you on on your service to these kids, but don't do a, I'll say this, don't do a disservice to them. If you know you're just in it for a check, you just want to make a couple extra dollars, get some assistance that at least are going to be passionate enough for it. You know, don't just show it. You know, there's times where I've seen 
coaches that it just shows like you don't really care. You're just here for a check. And then there's some coaches that be like, I want the check, but I still want the program to be successful. So let me get some assistants that are going to give the energy that is needed. Um, and it, 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 I haven't had that confrontation with anyone, but I have spoke my mind to some coaches about it. Okay. Got you. Tell us about one of the most satisfying times that you've had as a basketball coach when when you were able to see that your efforts has actually made a difference in a child's life. Can you give us an example of one or two? I, 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 have, I have plenty of those. <laughs> right. You know, they're, they're, they're proud moments. You know, every graduation mm -hmm. is a proud moment for, for all of our, our youth. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, being able to go to some of our kids, you know, first days when they first moving into campus, you know, they, asked me to ride up there with them, help them put their stuff in their dorms. Those are great moments. Um, I would say the best moment, hmm, the best moment was, and there's two. One was my first year when I was with the Boys and Girls Club um, when we won the statewide tournament. Literally, oh. we, we, we played in that tournament. That was our first time ever in a tournament. And, mm -hmm. you know, to be in that tournament, to win it with kids I've seen grow up in the community, you know, with the parent back in, it was, it was good because they felt accomplished for winning something, for doing something, you know, seeing that emotion within them made me feel good. And I was young at the time. This is 22 year old Dustin with a bunch of 16, 17 year olds. So it wasn't much of the age gap, you know, but just sharing that moment with them, you know, and then when we came back to our actual Boys and Girls Club where we were housed at and practice and everything and just the celebration of the community, you know, they had a banner in the gym for us. We had a big party. There was a moon bounce, you know, dancing, face painting. Like the community really went out for, for us and it just felt good to be accepted. Um, second Ooh. time would be an AAU experience. We played in the Nike basketball championships in Ohio. Um, and there's pool play and then there's bracket play. So pool play is you're in a pool with three to four other teams. You'll play all those teams. And then based off your record, you get seated in bracket play. Bracket play is one and done. We actually went 0-4 in pool play. So we were like, there were 32 teams in the bracket. I wow. want to say we were ranked like 29th or 30th. <laughs> wow. Wow. So we're in Ohio. Um, we communicate with our parents daily. So we let our parents know, you know, we had a rough pool play. We were seated very low. Usually with those situations, you're usually done early. We'll be back on the road. It's a seven-hour ride back. So we wanted to get, keep up, up to date with timing on them coming to pick their kids up from the drop-off. Right. So our first game was at 10 in the morning. We mm -hmm. go play. We win that game. So email it out. You know, kids woke up a different kid. They won their first game. The second balling. game was at 12 o'clock. Uh -huh. They were <laughs> so, balling. You know, they were balling. We'll let you mm -hmm. know how that game goes. It's going to be a harder test. We'll see how it goes. Play the game at 12 o'clock. We won that one. <laughs> I know you're like, hold up. So I'm like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> we just went from the round of 32 to the Sweet 16. Now we're in the Elite Eight. So there's eight teams left. This game's at 2 o'clock. 
So mm-hmm. we emailed out, sent a text out to all the parents. They're like, listen, try to win it now. Like, we know y'all got to get back, but try right. to win it now. We win the two o'clock game, semifinal game. We win the semifinal game. So now we get in the championship game after not winning a game in pool play. We're the wow. lowest seed and we're playing mm-hmm. one of the top ranked teams in the country in the championship. And we lost that game, but we only lost by four. And it was a battle. Wow. My kids were, they were battle tested. I, that energy, just them not giving up, you know. And that's what I told them when we were in the hotel, you know, that night. You know, I understand. We went 0-4. Okay, it happens. But what, what how are you going to end this chapter? You know, this was the battle. Right. This was the test. How do we end it? And they came out right. ready to play. And they, they left everything out there. And, and that was honestly one of my greatest moments. Didn't win the championship, got there, but just to see them battle the way they did after everyone counted them out. And then I had to drive a van seven hours from Ohio after coaching five <laughs> games back to Philadelphia in the middle of the night. Ooh, so Red Bull, <laughs> Red Bull. You to make a Red Bull stop. What had, city was had, it in? Was it Columbus or Cleveland Columbus. or Columbus? Columbus? I figured it was Columbus when you said seven hours. Yeah. I grew up an hour from Columbus. This great area for basketball. Yes, it People is. sleep yes, on Ohio for sports. Football and basketball is all up and through Ohio. Yes, indeed. Big, big basketball state. But um, that sounds cool. That sounds cool. I'm sure um, to watch the kids uh, take some of those lessons yep. that y'all have been teaching them to not give up and don't listen to the noise. I'm sure that played a part in it. Absolutely. Yes. Got to have that mentality. You know, that mentality we were talking about before the show. Gotta have, that mentality. Gotta have that mentality. Mm-hmm. Gotta have that mentality. Gotta have that mamba, that mamba that mentality. Mamba mentality. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Gotta have that mamba mentality. So in the next five years, your AAU team is is it the Mount Pleasant Mount Bulldogs? Pleasant. Is that what it's called? Yes. All right. So how do you see this team in the next five years? Do you see it expanding in any way, or what do you? How do you see it faring? Um. Five years. Honestly, we, we, we've been a, we've been an independent program. Um, we have been offered from other programs to try to partner with us. Um, we have declined that. Mm-hmm. Honestly speaking, more or less, you know, everyone's goal is to get on one of the sneaker circuits, so Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. If we get the offer, we get the offer. But as long as we continue to put kids in school, that's the that's the main goal. You know, continuously putting our youth, our inner city youth in school for as cheap or as, as cheap as possible or free. Do you have any any stats on how successful you all have been on that? Like like percentage um, that ends up going or anything? So we actually have, we got a 97% um, college acceptance rate. Um, awesome. You know, when, when we say it's bigger than basketball, we try to use basketball as the crutch to, to get as much money as possible. Um, but your academics is still a part of it. And we make sure we actually drill that within our players. You know, you may not go to the school that I coach at, but if you're playing AAU for me, you know, I still need to see your transcripts, still need to see your report cards, you know, because if you start slacking in school, I'm going to get on you because no college coach want, doesn't want, they don't want a kid that's not marketable academically while also being marketed athletically. Got you. Got you. Where do your, your uh, kids tend to go? Do they go to Division One colleges? Or Division Two, do they go to HBCUs, PWI? What do they end up following? Falling it's, usually. It's, it usually is based off of um, 
you know, the dynamic of what they were offered, you know, financial situations, um, where they feel more comfortable. Every kid is different. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we, a lot of people preach our state schools here. Um, so we, we allow others to do that. Like schools preach to state schools. We preach at HBCUs, you know, you have to take a look at them. You absolutely do your research on them. Um, but again, we don't force our kids to go one specific route. You know, we want you to talk to every single coach at every single level, you know, let them know you are interested, you know, let them know, thank them for reaching out to them because they didn't have to. And then it's ultimately like we tell our kids, this is the first major adult decision that you're making in life. You know, where you're going to college is your first major adult, first major adult decision. So you have to make that decision. You have to live with whatever decision you make whether it's consequences behind it or success behind it you know you have to live with that and and then it trickles down to your next steps in life but you know it's it's literally who's offered how much money you know what the parents have to pay if the parents have to pay any and that's that's kind of how the decision process goes got you got you and i'm interested to know this um (laughs) i don't know if you can say or not but but I'm mainly interested in the AAU team that okay. you affiliated with, the, the Bulldogs. How are these teams funded, actually? How, how uh, does the funding work? It, it's dependent for these on travel each program. teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, like with our program, with us being an independent program, we have to get our own independent funding. Um, so whether you're 501c3 or, you know, your LOC, you're a nonprofit, it's just all different ways on how you get your funding. Um, some coaches actually fund stuff out of pocket with us being independent. Some of the money actually comes out of our coach, you know, the coach's pockets, um, paying for gas for the vans to transport the kids back and forth to tournaments, um, mm-hmm. you know, paying for the vans, um, entry fee into these tournaments. These tournaments cost anywhere from $600 to $900 per team just to play in their event, you know? So it's, it's all in a sneaker company, the, the, the circuit teams or the team there on sneaker circuits, the actual brands cover those bets. But even then you still have to pay for your travel. You, know, you have to, still have to pay to get to these cities to play in these tournaments or whether you're flying or driving, um, you know, there's still some money that has to come out of each program, but independent programs, funding is usually tight. You got to find sponsors, fundraisers, things like that. So do you all do fundraisers? Yes, we do fundraisers. Um, we do have some sponsors that back our program based off the success that we've had. Um, and that's what usually keeps us afloat. You know, we, you know, we, we it, it'll be times where myself, um, you know, Coach Brown, Coach Hawk, we are putting money out of our pockets just, you know, if we're falling short places. Um, but we never, ever, you know, ask kids for money that they don't have to pay for. You know, usually it's their lodging that they have to pay for. And that's really it that we ask for. You know, we have a hotel trip. It's four days. We got to stay overnight. It might be like $60 a kid that pays for your hotel and breakfast mm-hmm. for the entire weekend. You know, mm-hmm. and if we give that number out, we're not asking for nothing else outside of that. You know, okay. I do know some programs that are asking parents to pay fifteen hundred to four thousand dollars. You know, just as a registration fee. No, nah, we we we're not doing that. We're not doing that. 
But you guys but do have you do have a registration fee, but not nothing yes. like that nothing crazy. Like that. Okay. No, All no, right. So let me that. ask you this question. So if, if people are out here listening right now, want to support your team, what would you recommend the best thing for them to do? Um, you know, I'm not going not gonna to back down and say, you know, if you have a financial donation, we happily will accept it. <laughs> you know, um, and we have the proper tax information to send you for your taxes. If it's a donation, you, you can dig into our program and write off on your taxes. So by all means, if you want to do so, please help us. Um, <laughs> so, so you guys, you guys are set up as a um, nonprofit then? Yes. Are you a nonprofit? Yes. Okay. Yes, we are. C three or um, four? Do you know which which one? I'm not sure which one. Okay, but you're a nonprofit, which is but good. We are a nonprofit. Yes. Um, awesome. You know, but honestly, you know, just motivating words. You know, follow our our Instagram page, our, our Twitter page, you know, follow us, see what we all got going on. We don't ask for anything on those pages. We just want the support and to showcase our youth. Um, you know, just give them congratulatory statements in the comments, things like that. And, you know, if you have an opportunity for a kid, whether it's bigger than basketball, job opportunity or, you know, school opportunity, Listen, by all means, let's all as a unit, as a community, help this youth out and continually help this youth out to let them know that they're not by themselves and they don't have to do everything on their own. And they had that support. But we're also trying to help you be the leaders of our future. All right. And are you still um, working with the Boys and Girls Club, too? Yes, I'm still working with the okay. Boys and Girls Club. That is Tell my me main, something. Main job. You, you know, um, the Boys and Girls Club is a place that's very near and dear to my heart, period. Right. I got involved with them down here in Durham. Um, I, I wasn't raised like going there when I was a kid very much or anything. But since I've been here living in North Carolina, I have been a supporter and uh, helped out with that club. I mean, the work that they do there, the things that they do is just very important in the community for our children. What um, what's the most I guess the satisfying thing for you with working with the boys and girls club, what, what keeps you there? There's something very special about it to me. I want to hear what's special about it to you. It's the kids. It's the kids. That yeah. is literally the one thing that keeps me there. You know, I've been mm -hmm. offered jobs to leave the boys and girls club and it's paid more, but the flexibility and just being around them kids daily, as much as that people be like, kids get on your nerves, you miss them when they're not getting on your nerves, you know? Right. So I absolutely, it's the kids, um, you know, seeing their faces, seeing them grow, you know, being, I'm at that age now where it's like, I see you start here and now you're here and I'm just proud of everything you've done. And the kids as the one piece that keeps me there, it's hard to walk away from that. I can see that, I can see that. And so you have three roles, you have your job, job, you're dealing, you're, you're encouraging and mentoring kids in that yep. role. Then you have the school basketball team. Then you have yep. the AAU. You're always affiliated with children. Always. With something. But when you were younger, your younger self, did you see yourself becoming that? Did you yep. always have an interest or how did that interest in children grow inside of you? Do you know where it came from? Um, I will say it's those individuals that help that helped molded me when I was younger. I was a Boys and Girls Club kid as a youth. 
I've seen mm-hmm. how the Boys and Girls Club helped me in the direction I, I, I went in life. And I wanted to give that back to the youth younger than me. You know, I've seen how um, my old heads, <laughs> um, right. you know, mentored me and gave me information. And, you know, even now to this day, they still support everything that I have going on, um, especially with the youth, because I'm doing the same thing they did, you know, and I still give them kudos. I still get them their flowers where it's due. And even them, they've become the biggest supporters of me and everything I have going on because they know I'm literally doing it for the right thing. I'm doing it for the kids. You know, I want to see them succeed and grow the same way I did. And I want it to be a, a trickling down effect. Like, let's continue this chain. And I want to be a part of that chain. I want to be one of the links that continue the success of grooming our youth, growing our youth, and having successful youth moving on to becoming mentors for the next generation. Very important too. And you know, there's a lot of competition out there of, of places that say that they're serving children, right? right. And their parents in our communities. Um, lots of competition, but if I had to pick one, I, Boys and Girls Club just by far to me is a, the leader for me, in my opinion. So if you if you had someone asking you to say or verbalize why Boys and Girls Club versus something else over here, Salvation Army, whoever. Right. What would you say if, if someone says, look, I've got $10,000 I want to give to one place and I'm torn between the Boys and Girls Club or XYZ? What would you say to them to uh, convince them to give it to the Boys and Girls Club? Well, your, your donation is for the aspect of what we do to the youth. So your donation is going to absolutely go to the youth. Um, but we also want you to see where your donation goes to. Um, mm-hmm. We want you to see the benefits that you have produced to help our youth out. We want you to see and be a part of, you know, what they're going through, what they're doing. You know, we want you to come back, speak to the youth. We want you to meet. We want you to build that rapport with them. Because at the end of the day, that's what you're doing it for. But it's also the reason why we're there, you know, working with that. Because at the end of the day, the biggest picture and the main focus is our youth. Um, and if you are financially investing in them, well, investing in our organization to help groom our youth, they want you to still be a part of it. You know, it's not all about just writing a check. You know, you can write your check, but come in, let's speak with the kids. Let's, let's interact with the kids. Let's play pool with the kids. Let's play connect four with the kids. You know, let's sit mm-hmm. in a literacy component, one of our literacy, or let's have one of our debate clubs or sit down and play chess with our kids. You know, you're not just a number. You're not just a check. You know, you're a person that's continually helping us grow and groom our youth. So we want you to be a part of that. But we absolutely thank you for the donation. But again, it's not for us. It's for the youth that we serve. That's good. I like that answer. So I call um, my CEO and see if he want to use that. <laughs> yeah, we got to send a copy. You got to send a copy of the, of the footage. Of what you just said, because that could be a whole commercial in and of itself, right there. <laughs> right there. Um, the what, truth, it, it is the truth. That organization has been around for a long time, and I've seen the difference, and I see, still see the difference that it makes, especially even through COVID and the yes. unique ways that they found to connect with the kids through t- COVID. And you're right, Zoom became best friend, but they came up with some unique programming 
Yes. To yes. keep in touch and keep bonding with the kids, even though they couldn't be physically present in the building, which I found to be right. quite encouraging. Yeah, but as far as that. um, go we ahead. We actually did after school. We actually did after school programming with our youth. So even though they might mm -hmm. have went to school, excuse me, on Zoom, we actually mm -hmm. had a Zoom link where they could log in with us after school, and we did after school programming on Zoom with our kids, like read-alongs, right. drawing activities, mm -hmm. craft activities. Um, we also, mm -hmm. during the, the mornings and afternoons, um, provided hot meals for our kids. Because in the city, a lot we of our too. kids, mm -hmm. you know, if, if they're going to school, that's where they're getting their main two meals from. You know, breakfast, right. lunch is absolutely, that's how they eat. So we mm -hmm. still wanted to make sure, you know, they were still getting that nourishment, even though they were home. That's right. And, and that's how we had to do it. People come through. They didn't even have to get out the cars. Pull yep. up. And we would break curbs. There you go. There you go. Bye. And go in. Go on yep. home. That's right. Mm -hmm. Very good. Very good organization. Um, what kind of changes would you like to see in youth sports? Changes. The, my main one, especially here in Pennsylvania, um, especially with high school basketball, um, I feel like we need a shot clock. A shot clock? I'm a, yes, I'm an advocate of that. I'm an advocate of because our kids will get to the next level and that'll actually, they're not used to playing under a shot clock. So if we're grooming them for the next level, give us what they're doing at the next level. You know, it's not like with the NBA, you know, everything's mirrored in college basketball. They try to mirror what they're doing in the NBA. High school has to do the same thing. I believe we do need a shot clock in high school basketball. There are some states that do have it, some states that don't. I can only speak for Pennsylvania right now. We don't, um, but we absolutely need it. Um, another thing is, and I know a lot of people, they might hate me for saying it, but the reclassification I, <laughs> concept, it baffles me. Some people do it. It's not like it's wrong. You know, you have your loopholes on how to get away with it. Explain what, the, explain, explain what that is, because I'm not sure what that is. What is that? So basically, um, depending upon what state you're in, depending upon if you're at a private school or a public school, you can actually reclassify into a different graduating year. So you can say if you're oh, in the class of, yeah. class of 2022, mm -hmm. you know, you could go to a prep school, reclassify and go from being class of 2022 to class of 2023. What is that year going to really change? Probably nothing. But they, they've, been doing that, they've been doing that for years, so they get an extra year out of you. You get an extra year out of you. Yeah. And if you need that extra year to dominate somebody that much younger than you, you probably aren't ready. <laughs> but I again, just don't, I, I just can't see a high school student wanting to spend an extra year in high school. Sometimes don't even start in high school. Like nowadays, they're doing this in like sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Like your see, kid see. is uh -huh. playing well in seventh grade. I'm gonna keep him back a year to let his body develop. He's still 12 years old. Like, come on, you know. So yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that. Now that you, I don't like that at all. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. I'm both of them actually. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. They do need a shot clock. I think they have them here. In okay. North Carolina, okay. I know they have them in Ohio. They definitely have them in Ohio. New yeah, York, they have them in Ohio. Maryland, 
Maryland has it as well. But there's mm-hmm. states around us that's starting to get it. I just hope we get it sooner than later. Okay. All right. I have one more question. It left me though. I forgot I was going to ask you. So Dennis, <laughs> I don't remember what my last question was. So it'll probably come to me in a minute. Did you have any more questions before I get to my final questions? Uh, yes. Uh, Elise Jeffers was asking, what was the highest level of basketball you would want to coach? I would absolutely love to. I don't want to coach NBA basketball. I don't want to get in that. It's I Why can't not? deal with the. Why not? I can't deal with the million dollar Eagles. I can't deal with that. <laughs> I don't say I can't. I just don't want to deal with that. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. I would. I would love. The goal is to be a collegiate head coach, regardless of whatever level. Um, Division one, two, three, junior college doesn't matter. You know, I would love to be a collegiate head coach, grow my own program, grow my own program, and make that program as dominant as possible for years to come. All right, now I got to lighten it up a little bit around here because, you know, you've been all coached out. You being the coach that you are, your football team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, got a new coach, you know. How do you feel about that? It seems like I ask you this every year, but I just <laughs> – Hmm. And what's so funny is y'all got his team's ex-coach. I love the Doug Peterson hire. I love it. I do too. I was I like I was a fan of Doug Peterson when he was in Philly. Um he he bought a Super Bowl to Philly. I appreciate you, Doug. You gave me a day off from work. Um (laughs) I heard about that. I was at the parade as a Jaguars fan. Now, I will say we should have been in the Super Bowl playing against Philly that year. Should have been. And we would have beaten Philly that year. No, come on. All right, let's stop. <laughs> stop that. Stop that. <laughs> you stop dreaming over there. <laughs> but I will say I do love the Doug Peterson hire. Okay. I absolutely love it. I know last year I said I, I, I loved the Urban Meyer hire, but then I hated it the week after he got hired. Okay. I never liked Doug, it. I was just hoping that success translated into the NFL. That's okay. what I was hoping. Mm-hmm. He, he won, but didn't he win two more games than y'all won the year before? So he did pretty yeah. good, I guess. Yeah, but all the controversy though wasn't worth it. Right. It started off bad. Like it just with the assistant coach from Ohio State or wherever he was from. Like it just started off bad. <laughs> Iowa. He came from I, Iowa. Yeah, I, Iowa yeah. was it Iowa or Iowa State? I think it was one of the two. Iowa, I think. And then should have never been there. Actually, he still has a job now. Like he just got hired again in the NFL. Somebody likes but anyway. <laughs> Somebody likes him. That's usually what it is. Yeah, but I, I, I wanted y'all to get um, I wanted y'all to get Byron Leftwich. I wanted Byron too, but I don't feel like, I feel like him going into this with no head coaching experience with the youth and that we have on this roster, we needed that veteran coach to groom our organization, and that's why I feel like yeah. Doug. That's why Doug fits. I absolutely that's wanted what- Byron, but. 
I prefer. But that's what I said. He won't listen. Dennis won't listen to me. I keep, I'm like, change your mind, Dennis. Listen to what I'm saying to you. No. Right, right. Because if if Byron Leftwich had gotten that job, he would have been set up to fail. I'm just saying. And we don't need that for him. Don't you? And I said, don't you, Dennis, don't you want Byron's first experience to be successful? Yeah. Well, then. If there's anywhere that he already knows the BS that's coming to him, it's Jacksonville. But knowing the BS doesn't mean you can overcome the BS. Right. It doesn't mean that. No, it doesn't mean that at all. And I'll also say this, and I I don't want to make this racial in any way, but I feel like the young (laughs) Black coordinators who are being interviewed for these head coaching jobs need to be in the right position to succeed because that might be their only opportunity. Right. And I and I, and felt I didn't though, want I didn't want Byron to waste that opportunity in Jacksonville. I didn't think he was going to be here again. Again. Let me, let me say what I said all the way. I said Byron needs to go there. I said Mark Brunel needs to leave Detroit and go with him. Because that's the type of help he's gonna need. I said he's gonna. Uh, I was hoping that Marvin Lewis went with him and was with his defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Because I felt as though he was gonna need those those guys to help him out with these, you know, this, this young group. But I wanted and keep, him to be and, and keep Keenan McCardell as our wide receiver coach. Right. <laughs> I I just I, I truly. I truly felt as though all of this was going to work out. Yeah, but that's too many ifs. I mean, just right. be, even if even if gonna, even, I don't know who he was going to hire, so I can't. That's what I'm saying. That's too many ifs. Okay, so it'll work if he got this guy, that guy, and that guy. But those three guys were not guaranteed just because he gets the head coaching position. Marvin out there. I think Marvin out, goes, goes, goes. Marvin out there chilling with with Herm in Arizona. He ain't. He cool. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, he wants to. He wants to come back into the NFL circuit and coach. He does. I know right. he does, but he may yeah. not want to come to Jacksonville. I don't think that's a whole. That's a whole another conversation. I don't think the team matters that he comes to. Uh, he was, yeah, I think so. Nah, I don't. Marvin. Marvin went through a whole lot in Cincinnati. It's a what whole was, lot about that story that has not gotten out to the public that I know about. He went through a lot. Of hell in Cincinnati, and he but stayed there for years, and, and they gave him opportunities. I have a lot of respect for Marvin Lewis, despite the outcome. I really do. That's my guy, Marvin Lewis. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I know you don't think I do, but I do. No, no, I, just, I, I can't. I just can't see him as a head coach right now. No, I thought he was going to come back as a defensive coordinator. That's what I was thinking. And then he was yeah, going to get yeah, his I know. Uh, I, I know. Like Lovey, I know. Like Lovey. Like Lovey. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. But love, love you, head coach again. So. Right. That's what I said. Just like Lovey. That's how I felt as though he was going to do the same thing. But, but him helping out Byron so. would have been perfect. Yeah, but see, no. But see, that's I'd just too have, much, I'd rather too have much the contingent. I'd rather yeah. have the veteran leadership from the top. Right. All right. Now, if Marvin would have got the head coaching job and left, and they promoted Byron. Okay, but and then also Byron's success 
is questionable. Why do you say that? He was successful in Tampa Bay. The he other it was successful in Pittsburgh too. Okay. He was successful with, with what he had in those situations. Look at his cast in both situations. Oh, you're trying to say he had Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame quarterbacks? That's what you're trying to say? I'm not saying Trevor won't be one, but I'm still all in on Trevor. Yeah, you got no I'm not. I'm not, a tre- I'm, not, I'm not a Trevor believer. I'm a Trevor believer. I'm not. I'm not a never, believer. I never I'm have been. Mm-mm. I'm not a believer, you know, because I, I had the whole saying that Trevor wasn't going to be that nice. I'm not a believer, but now that Doug Peterson's over there, it may be a little bit different. That's why I'm I say not a believer. I believe in Trevor. If Byron if, if came in, I would not agree. No, I still was a believer if Byron. Byron or or Doug, I'm a believer. Um, yeah, anybody else that would have went over there, I don't think would have worked. I also feel like that was a determining factor for a lot of those coaches too. What coaches want to come in and help develop and help grow Trevor? Doug has been successful everywhere he's been at with quarterbacks. I, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, guess what? You know, we can go to the game together this year. You're right. I guess so. they will be. A, they will be in Philly this year. Oh, unless they make that a London game. You know, that's your favorite spot. No, 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 no. That's y'all home game this year. So they, we can't go to London. Oh, I mean, unless yeah. they. I'm not playing y'all London again. We played y'all last time in London. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did play y'all last time in London. All right, Shane. I'm gonna let you go with your five star shout out. You sure now? You yeah. sure? Okay. So, um, um, Coach Dust, I don't know if you watched the side zone before, but usually when we interview people, I like to end our show with my five-star shout out. Shout out. And what that is, is I, I just ask you rapid fire five questions. Okay. You just give me the answer. Just one word if, if necessary. But just answer, no commentary, just but you but you already addressed my first question, so I may have to change my first question to something else. <laughs> Let I'm me think. Go ahead and shoot. I'm ready. Now I'm gonna ask it anyway. I already know what your answer is gonna be, but I can't think of a replacement fast enough. So we're gonna get into these rapid fires. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Number one, offense or defense? Defense. High tops or low tops? High tops. Pick your warm weather spot, Florida or California? Florida. Who is the greatest basketball player of all time? And... Who is the greatest NBA basketball player of all time? Who's the greatest basketball player of all time? And then who's the greatest NBA? Uh, greatest Who basketball. Different? The greatest basketball player of all time is Will, in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, just off his pure dominance 
everything that he did. It has to be Will. Um, and I know people will be like, what? But that's my opinion. <laughs> um, greatest NBA player of all time. My greatest NBA player of all time is Kobe Bryant. <laughs> I can, hey. And number five, and number five, do you watch the WNBA? Absolutely. I love the WNBA. I love the WNBA. I think you're going to be my favorite guest. I don't know. (laughs) Don't be upset, BJ. Don't be be out there mad at me, but you said no to that question. So I absolutely love the WNBA. They get to it. Speaking of BJ, as soon as we started the show, he said, damn, she got cute today. She ain't get this cute for me a few weeks ago. <laughs> Dennis, what the fuck is going on around here? As soon as we started the show, I'm going to let you First know. Comment. First, First comment. First comment, that's what he said. And I'm like, uh, and you see what I responded. I said, I get cute for me. Thank you. I get cute for me. <laughs> I'm like, what you talking? Did I look bad the other days? I don't understand. I must be looking bad, Dennis. You supposed to be keeping me, you know, together. Am I looking well, bad the I'll other days? Look, I just I will, don't I'll get. I'll say you look fabulous today. Okay, thank you. <laughs> First of all, you're always B E A beautiful. Thank you, thank you, Dennis. That's my <laughs> that's my co-host right there. That's the co-host. <laughs> But yeah, but thank you for playing my game. I hope you enjoyed that game. Dennis, back yes, to indeed. you. Um, yeah, we're we going uh, to end this. Uh, well, matter of fact, you know what? Dustin, you are the guest. And we usually end with a last word. Do you have any last words out there, you know, to uh, coaches out there that, you know, maybe going through some things and, you know, they maybe need some words of encouragement. Maybe you can help them out. Um. Stick with it. You know, success doesn't happen overnight. Um, but you got to have the passion for it and have to want to put the time in to be successful. Um, one thing I can say about basketball, it's not just about those two to three hours you're in the gym with your team. Um, it's bigger than that. You got to build relationships with not only your players, but the parents of your players. Um, you got to build relationships with college coaches. You know, you're consistently doing research. You know, you're consistently trying to get better. You should be networking with other coaches picking their brains um, and putting all that together, be a sponge and put together your own product. Um, And that's how you're going to be successful for yourself, not for anyone else. You know, you have to be, you have to do it for you. So don't give up. You know, YouTube is a great option. Google is a great option. Go to coaches clinics. Um, You know, when you're at games, you know, shake hands, ask questions. If a coach turns his nose up at you, okay, it's 10,000 other coaches out there whose brain you can pick. And at the end of the day, you know, taking all that knowledge and, again, put together your own product. But never give up. And also find a reason and a passion to do it, you know, whether it's for yourself, for fame, for wealth, or for the youth. But you have to have a direction. Um, and without a direction, you won't go anywhere. All right. What you got, Shan? Well, thank you guys for uh, watching our show, The Side John, today. We come here every Saturday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. 
the side Joan. Everybody don't if you don't know what Joan means, you can actually <laughs> look it up now. It's, in actually, dictionary now. it's actually in there now. So it's a Philly born word. You can use that word to mean anything. Like when we used to call stuff back in the day, that's the joint. Now y'all say that's the Joan right Joan. there. We can go over there to that Joan. We're gonna put that Joan down and get that over there. And I'm gonna put some some put some peanut butter and jelly on that Joan, smack it yep. together. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but thank you to our, our very wonderful uh, guest, Mr. D Coach Dustin. Uh, we are glad to have you here today. I enjoyed, you know, talking with you and the fact that you watched the WNBA. Yes, you're my favorite guest. And um, I just want to um, remind everybody that it is Black History Month. Of course, we do celebrate Black history all year long you know, 24-7, 365, but this is the actual month. Started out in, I think it was Negro Heritage Week or something like that, History Week, and now it's for a month. So uh, celebrate, remember, uh, remind you the people of things. But I want to leave you with a little-known Black history fact since this is the Winter Olympics time, right? The first Black athlete to win a medal at any Winter Olympics was Debbie Thomas. And she also was the first and only African-American figure skating champion in the US. So shout out to Debbie Thomas uh, for being the first and only black figure skating champion in the US. Uh, just gonna leave you with that, that little known black history fact uh, thank you, Dennis, my, my co-host, for being here and keeping us together and inviting the coach on with us today and um, running the Zoom and the whole nine. I feel very honored every week to be here and be your co-host on this show. So I'm thank glad you. You're here. You're yeah, well, I'm glad to be here with you. Um, been through some things and, you know, doing this show with you gives my heart much joy and uh, purpose and it's really helped me deal with you know the personal side of things looking forward to this show every Saturday so I just want to say thank you publicly to you Dennis for being who you are uh, again shout out to the people in the comments thank you for watching see you next Saturday and I'm gonna leave it at that right there I I'll save my insp inspiration quote for next week. Yeah, I, I want to thank everybody for coming out today. Uh, special thanks out there to Dustin, man, for doing this, you know, taking time out of his busy schedule. You know, the coaches that, I mean, the kids that he got to go out there and coach. And, um, I mean, I did have another question, though. You got Hawk on your team, too? So Hawk coaching with you and NG? No, 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 no. So uh, this is another hot, uh, hot Townsend. He um, went oh. to West Catholic. He played at uh, Newman University, and he's actually on the coaching staff at Immaculata University. Oh, okay. So, okay. but oh, you know, one thing I will say out? is, yeah, there's, there's a lot of hot. There's a lot of hot. There's a lot of hot. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. But okay. I will and say, they all spell their name different. Let's get that out of the way. I definitely it's want to shout H -A -K, out. It's AK, it's H O C K, is right. They all spell their name different. Let's let you know that. But go ahead, go ahead. Wow. Um, I do want to shout out, though, the Happy Hollow Tigers AAU program. Um, you know, shout out to, you know, Gee Funny. He, he put it together. 
Um, you know, again, another person who has a platform, you know, as a comedian um, and is using his platform to give back, again, to our inner city youth, you know, and being able to, to take those kids, flying them out to different places, playing these different tournaments. They'd have been to Dallas, Kansas City, Miami, Atlanta. And we're talking about 12, 11, 12, 13-year-old kids that may have never experienced that. So, you know, for him to do what he's done in a year and a half and have his team nationally ranked and playing those big-time tournaments and all, you know, kudos to him and his staff. Um, but then also all the coaches that I've, you know, that, that I coach with, you know, Coach Sean, Coach Jermaine, Coach Bart, you know, Doc, Coach Brown, you know, all the ENS coaches, um, you then, you know, everything we do in Mount Pleasant, you know, I just want to give a shout out to all those guys because as a collective unit, we do all of this together. You know, it's not one person taking all the credit or shine for anything. We do it all together. But again, we all have the same mindset and, and you know, focus on making sure our youth are the ones that get the best benefit out of everything. That's good. Yeah, that is, that is actually excellent. Um, yeah, I, I just... Again, I just wanted to say, you know, people out there, don't don't be afraid to reach out for help. That's one thing I'm going to say. You never know who you may bump into. You never know where you're going to get help from. Don't be afraid to reach out and ask for somebody some help, some questions. You know, there's a lot of people that's willing to help you, and those that ain't willing to help you, ask somebody else. Don't be discouraged. You know, help help is everywhere. You can ask for help. You can Google it. Don't be discouraged. You never know. You know, what lesson you, you know, you can uh, avoid by somebody just telling you certain things. And you never know exactly how you can get yourself better by having a conversation with a couple people. Just know, don't be afraid to ask for help. I am Dennis Holmes from the side jump, Sharon Mullen, our special guest, Dustin Hardymore. I won't say D Miz. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I graduated D from D Miz. I left that. I leave it where it's at. <laughs> but I, I like to, I like to thank y'all for coming out. God bless. Have a great day.